summer happens at Speedway. Because everything you need for summer happens at Speedway. Like drinks. Drinks happen. The freshly brewed drink, the splashed over ice drink, the wake you up drink, the cool you off drink, the make your brain hurt for a minute drink. All poured however you want them, whenever you want them, all summer long. So on every hot day, you have something cold to sip. Speedway, summer happens here. And now, get any size fountain or speedy freeze for just 99 cents. Excludes maximum. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Live from our nation's capital, it's Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Welcome to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I'm Brad Bannon. I'm a national democratic strategist, a columnist for The Hill in Washington, DC, and a political analyst for talk uh, radio, news talk radio station, KNX in Los Angeles and WGN in Chicago. My company, Bannon Communications Research, polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democratic candidates. BannonCR.com is the sponsor of today's show. If you want to find out more about me and my political polling company, or if you have any ideas or suggestions for Deadline DC, the best way to reach me is on Twitter. My handle is Brad Bannon. This week on Deadline DC, we have a great show for you. In the first half hour, our guest is Scott Wilkerson, the CEO of AlphaView, a tech company. Uh, He's going, he joins us to discuss the dangers of information about COVID on the internet. Then in the second half hour on our provocative progressive political panel, our guest, our strategist, uh, Madyung, uh, Atiba Madyung, uh, in our own Mark Grimaldi. Uh, they're going to, the three of us are going to evaluate this first six months of Joe Biden's presidency. First, we have this clip from, from CNN, uh, Brianna Keller reading a Facebook posting by a doctor in Alabama on the, uh, COVID. An Alabama doctor's Facebook post went viral because it clearly puts the current COVID crisis into perspective. She writes, I'm admitting young, healthy people to the hospital with very serious COVID infections. One of the last things they do before they're intubated is beg me for the vaccine. I hold their hand and tell them that I'm sorry, but it's too late. A few days later, when I call time of death, I hug their family members and I tell them the best way to honor their loved one is to go get vaccinated. They cry and they tell me they didn't know. They thought it was a hoax. They thought it was political. They thought it was just the flu, but they were wrong and they wish they could go back, but they can't. Absolutely heartbreaking. 
It is absolutely heartbreaking. That's Brianna Kelly uh, from Keller uh, from CNN uh, talking about the people who wish they had got vaccinated, but it's too late. Our guest in this half hour is Scott Wilkinson, the CEO of Alpha AlphaView, which specializes in advanced network science. AlphaView's technology empowers their clients with competitive intelligence, message control, and smart engagement. AlphaView also has a new patent-pending technology designed to provide policymakers with the tools and knowledge to identify and combat information uh, within digital conversations. The AlphaView website is AlphaView, A-L-P-H-A-V-U, uh, Scott's Twitter handle is SGWILK. Scott, welcome to Deadline DC. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for having me. Uh, you know, that that story with that clip we just played from CNN is heartbreaking. Uh, there are people uh, dying all across this country, um, especially in states like Alabama and Florida, Um uh, who uh, just refuse to get vaccinated. Uh, how much of a role does misinformation on the internet, uh, how much does that contribute uh, to what the president called last week uh, the pandemic of the unvaccinated? Yeah, so I was so happy last week when President Biden stated a simple but um, really an arguable fact, misinformation kills. Uh, and unfortunately, the overwhelming amount of misinformation about being vaccinated comes from social media. It's a huge problem. Uh, despite some attempts to fight it, uh, I'm not sure that it's really gotten any better. Um, and unfortunately, um, you know, we humans are stubborn. <laughs> we don't like to see information that we don't agree with. Uh, that's, that's something we've known about human nature and human decision making for a long time. The problem is that social media allows us to stay into a bubble and to ignore information we don't want to see. Well, uh, can you tell us uh, a little bit, describe some of the misinformation uh, about COVID that some people uh, see on the internet? Uh, some of it is crazy. There are even doctors uh, talking about uh, you know, the futility of getting a vaccination or some kind of government plot to uh, plant microchips uh, in your bloodstream. Could you describe some of the disinformation that, that people are seeing that's leading to this tragedy? Sure. There's there's the real crazy stuff, you know, um, like the microchip example that you use. And while that is certainly out there, um, I don't want to highlight that because I think what's more pernicious is um, misinformation that is very prevalent, but maybe a little harder to immediately recognize as being nuts. Um, so one of the things that we see a lot right now is people talking about the vaccine adverse event um, uh, recording system. It's an online website where uh, that's used to record people who have adverse effects after being vaccinated. Uh, there is a lot of misinformation of people who do not understand that data who pull tidbits out of context um, and use that to prove a completely incorrect and false point. Uh, there's a lot of anti-institutionalism, anti-government talk 
Um, and unfortunately, that has merged with opposition to vaccine. Those types of examples are much more dangerous, much more pernicious than the very small people who really sort of, you know, just revel in the real crazy stuff like like the microchip conversations. Okay, uh, let me let me ask you this: Are is this uh, is the disinformation or misinformation on the internet? Uh, a function of people who absolutely uh, believe these right-wing fantasies, or is it people trying to make uh, a few bucks on the suffering of other people? Uh, what, what's going on here? Why is why is there so much disinformation about COVID on the internet? You know, it's unfortunately all of the above. There are certainly people who are trying, who are getting economic incentive from doing this. Unfortunately, um, the ones who um, are the, the greatest source of that are the social media platforms themselves. The fact of the matter is misinformation, anger, negativity drives engagement, and engagement drives clicks. Clicks drive revenue for social media platforms. And despite some efforts uh, to reduce misinformation, uh, they haven't gone far enough, nearly far enough, have not worked hard enough, and they're not doing enough. And unfortunately, there is an economic incentive um, to not going but so far. Uh, that's that's very, very sad. Uh, let me uh, ask you this question. Uh, what kind of efforts, if any, uh, are, you know, social media outlets like Facebook making to combat these efforts? Well, um, they have certainly done more than ever before. Um, but if I were saying, if I were being the most generous, <laughs> giving the most generous interpretation that I possibly could, it's a hard problem. Uh, defining misinformation, um, you know, is a problem. Another issue is a lot of this happens on government social media accounts. Uh, government social media accounts are often subject to public records requests. So those type, that type of information can't necessarily be deleted. Um, so from that angle, there's a lot of complexity. On the other hand, um, I think we can't ignore the fact that there is a huge amount of misinformation out there that should be removed that has not been removed. And they're just not going at it aggressively enough. And it's just too much opportunity for people to see and surround themselves with false information and not get to the facts. Well, since it is such a, uh, we're actually, Scott, we're going to go to break now. Uh, we, we're talking about uh, misinformation on the Internet. Uh, our guest in this half hour is Scott Wilkinson, the CEO of AlphaView. Uh, AlphaView's uh, Twitter site is A-L-P-H-A-V-U, uh, so check it out yourself. We'll be back with more of Deadline DC after these messages uh, with more of Scott Wilkerson from AlphaView talking about misinformation on the Internet and what we can do to stop it. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show.
Welcome back to Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Our guest in this half hour is Scott Wilkerson, the CEO of the information technology firm AlphaView. Uh, that's your Twitter handle, by the way, A-L-P-H-A-V-U. Uh, he's here to talk about disinformation and misinformation uh, on the Internet. Uh, Scott, uh, last week, uh, Joe Biden called out Facebook in particular, and I believe he said something to the effect that Facebook was killing people uh, because of their policies on the Internet, on COVID. Uh, he sort of walked that back a little bit a couple of days later. Uh, you think the answer is uh, more government regulation of uh, of uh, firms like Facebook, and I want to point them out, as you pointed out, others are doing the same thing. Uh, now, there have been talk over the uh, you know last few months, especially about uh, you know regulating content on Facebook. Uh, it's focused now on the uh, COVID, but there's also been uh, talk about, you know, regulating Facebook so that it uh, limits uh, the hate coming from right wing extremist groups. Uh, where is the there's probably a fine line here between government regulation uh, and censorship, which I think worries some people, even progressives. Uh, where is that line? I, it's it's a tough problem. There's no denying that. Uh, th these are incredibly tech, uh, complex technologies. These are large companies, and the environment's changing very quickly. Um, I believe the line is this. If you and I are connected on social media and you post something and I see it just because you and I chose to connect, that's fine. I don't think uh, social media platforms should be liable for that. But if you or I post something and then that post gets promoted beyond our direct network, if there's an algorithm that boosts that content, um, I think that's the point at which social media companies have to be liable for content because they've made a business decision to promote that piece of information so more people can see it. And they should be accountable to that business decision. I think that's the essence of where we have to go from a regulatory perspective. Okay, uh, let me ask you uh, this question. Let's focus more on uh, making this uh, uh, user friendly. Uh, how can uh, our listeners and our viewers uh, spot disinformation about COVID on the internet when they see it? Sure. So one of the key telltales is you'll see people talking about vaccines or about COVID, and there's really a lot of anger, fury, negativity. Um, a lot of the, the just negativity goes hand in hand with misinformation. So that's one thing. The second thing is you'll see uh, inst anti-institutionalism um, borderline on the paranoid. So people who are so anti-government, um, anti-healthcare, you know, anti-institution in general, that they say that anything that comes from those institutions has to be negative or dangerous or out to get them. Um, those are really the two main things. And, and third, I always say, if you're listening to this, if you're not vaccinated, if you're not sure about vaccination, step away from your computer, step away from social media, get on the phone and call your doctor. Um, if you don't have a doctor, go to your neighborhood health clinic and ask. They'll be happy to talk to you. 
Uh, do you think these uh, heartbreaking stories, such as the one we uh, played from CNN, uh, you know, right now I've seen various national polls, but it seems to me approximately a third of the uh, uh a third of the general population and a much larger proportion of unvaccinated people uh, are very reluctant to get the vaccine. Uh, What do you think it's going to take for people to wake up, realize what a danger the pandemic is uh, and do something to protect themselves and their family? I'm afraid right now we're really, I believe, at this really incremental point. There are healthcare professionals across this country who are doing the hard work every day, going out into neighborhoods, um, going to people's doors, um, offering them vaccinations, talking to them about vaccines. And that's really how we're making progress right now. It's hard, it's slow, it's incremental, um, but we are increasing the vaccination rate that way. Um, I would say um, people who are listening to this, um, you know, if (laughs) there's no good reason uh, not to be vaccinated. Uh, And if you think you have a good reason, talk to your doctor. Let your doctor, uh, you don't trust the government, um, don't trust me, (laughs) don't trust social media. Call your doctor and discuss it with your doctor. That's really the best thing. Anyone who is not vaccinated, who's not sure, that's what they should do. That's what they can do. Okay. Now, uh, again, President Biden spoke last week about uh, the dangers of uh, disinformation on the web. Uh, Do you think anybody in Washington is going to actually do something about it uh, to, uh, you know, essentially, uh, you know, you know, regulate uh, the content uh, on Facebook, especially about medical issues and medical problems that are hurting this country. I mean, because to me, this has got to the point of being beyond ridiculous. Uh, People are dying because of the misinformation they see. Uh, Is there any, but you think there's any likelihood that people in Washington will take action to deal with this problem? I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic. I, first of all, I was so happy and proud of the president for for what he said. It was shocking to some people, but it was absolutely the truth. It was succinct. It was powerful. He was absolutely correct. Misinformation kills. What are we going to do about it? Uh, in my mind, that's leadership. Um, fortunately, it appears there is some bipartisan agreement um, that we need to do more to regulate social media platforms, technology companies differently. We don't have anything yet, uh, but this bipartisanship is unusual. Um, that doesn't mean something is going to get passed and done, but I am hopeful. I really am hopeful in the next year we're going to see some new regulatory frameworks coming out of Congress, and I'm confident um, that the president will be supportive and will, will sign any such bill that comes out. Okay, briefly, uh, in a minute or so we left, tell us what uh, AlphaView is trying to do to deal with this horrible problem. Sure. We work with um, public agencies at the state and local level uh, and help them in their public outreach uh, to educate uh, the public about COVID, about vaccinations. Uh, One of the things that we've done is we have built an algorithm or algorithms to help identify misinformation. Uh, That allows us to understand where it's coming from, what's causing it to increase or shrink, uh, and specifically and most importantly about how we can protect people from misinformation. Um, I'm very proud of the work that we've done and being able to better better 
quickly uh, identifying measurement information, but we're still standing at the bottom of what feels like a flood. There's so much of it, and we need to really take it at the source. Okay, Scott, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, our guest in this half hour is Scott Wilkerson, the CEO of AlphaView. If you'd like to find out more about AlphaView, you can go to their uh, website, uh, which is alphavu.com to get more information about the firm. We'll be back after these messages uh, with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. Uh, in the second half hour, we'll evaluate the first six months of Joe Biden's presidency uh, with the provocative progressive political panel. Our guests on the panel today are Tiba Madhun and our own Mark Grimaldi. We'll be back right after these short messages. So don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be, uh, we won't be gone soon. Welcome back to Deadline this half hour, is our custom, we're going to go to our provocative progressive political panel. Uh, today, we're going to discuss uh, the first six months of Joe Biden's presidency. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to listen to the cl a clip from the president from his CNN town hall last week. Hospitalizations, death, rising. So you said last month that this, um, that the virus is in retreat. Do you still feel that way? Is that still well, the case? Well, look, here's a, it's real simple. We have a pandemic for those who haven't gotten a vaccination. It's that basic, that simple. 10,000 people have recently died. 9,950 of them or thereabouts are people who hadn't been vaccinated. This is a simple, basic proposition. If you're vaccinated, you're not going to be hospitalized. You're not going to be in an ICU unit and you're not going to die. So it's gigantically important that you act like, we all act like Americans that care about our, our fellow Americans. To get, there's legitimate questions people can ask they, that they worry about getting vaccinated, but the questions should be asked, answered, and people should get vaccinated. But this is not a pandemic. We've made sure that since I got in office, we've, we've inoculated over 160 million people. 85% of people over the age of 50. Anyway, yeah, it's frustrating. What do, you, what do you say to people who are worried about a new round of restrictions and mask mandates and so forth? Well, I'm saying, look, <laughs> it's a little bit like when I got elected. You know, uh, the, this pandemic was out of control. You know, we've lost more people in the United States, over 630-some thousand people, than every major war we've ever fought in the United States of America. And that's come to a screeching halt for those who've been vaccinated. It really has, not a joke. This is overwhelming evidence to sustain that. And so what I say to people who are worried about a new pandemic is get vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, even if you do catch the virus, quote unquote, mm -hmm. like people talk about it in normal terms, you're an overwhelming, not many people do. If you do, you're not likely to get sick. You're probably going to be symptomless. You're not going to be in a position where, you're, where your life is in danger. So it's really kind of basic. That was President Biden uh, talking about the new surge of COVID, or more specifically the Delta variant, uh, which is sweeping across the United States, sadly. Uh, 
This first half, this half hour of Deadline DC is with Brad Bannon is brought to you by my polling firm, Bannon Communications Research, which polls for progressive issue groups, labor unions, and Democrats. It's so far so good for Joe Biden and the nation. A new president has, the new president has done a lot in a very short time with little or no help from the GOP. He's only had six months in the job, but thanks to his transformative leadership and democratic control of Congress, there are far more jobs and many fewer pandemic deaths. Joe Biden's best bet for his party's fortunes in the midterm elections is to demonstrate to voters that he has fixed the two biggest problems that threaten the health, well-being, uh, the health and well-being of the nation under Donald Trump. You can read the rest of this column and all my columns for the Hill at muckrack.com front slash Brad dash Bannon. Now it's time for our provocative progressive political panel. Our guest panelist today is Atiba uh, Madyung. Uh, he's the C CEO of Madyung uh, Group, a government relations firm based in Washington, D.C., He's also the CEO of Party Politics, uh, US, uh, a data collection firm that engages with young people to educate them on public policy. His website is atibamadyun.com, and his Twitter handle is the same. Uh, joining Atiba on the panel this week is our own executive producer, uh, Mark Grimaldi. Uh, Mark has worked on many Democratic presidential campaigns, including the campaign of Joe Biden for president. He's also very active in promoting cancer research uh, and uh, ending the deadly effect of big money on politics. Mark's Twitter handle is Mark J. Grimaldi. That's G-R-I-M-A-L-D-I. Uh, welcome, panel. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Atiba, let's start with you. Uh, I checked before the show started, uh, and if you look at the uh, real clear polling average of uh, President Biden's approval rate, 53% uh, of the public uh, approves of his performance as president. 44% uh, uh, have a uh, don't approve of his uh, uh, presidential performance. Uh, what does that say about where Joe Biden is after six months? Well, thanks for having me on again, Brad. Um, President Biden, he doesn't have a problem in terms of the work that he's doing. He's he's come in and the Republicans keep making this very easy for him. So they tell him that we're not going to pass stimulus bill. He gets the stimulus bill passed. So he comes in on his white horse. He keeps being given being giving these opportunities to come in riding on this white horse providing the child tax credit, providing the stimulus checks. We're getting close to a moratorium on, on rent. I have a feeling he's going to pass something or extend that. Because the Republicans continue to play the role of obstructionists, which they've been playing for for far too long, they've really made it easy for the, for, when I say easy, they've made it easy for, the, for President Biden's approval numbers to stay where they are. But he's also coming where there was the, the, uh, the bar was pretty low. The last yeah, president sure. was a fiasco. I mean, I, I've called him toupee fiasco on many occasions. He was a fiasco. 
And, you know, he made it this way. He didn't have to politicize wearing masks. He didn't have to politicize getting a vaccine. He did all these things. And so when Joe Biden was inaugurated on January 20th, he came in with a plan. And that's what has helped um, the president at this point. There are a lot of other issues, though, that, for instance, civil rights um, leaders have an issue with him right now, which is may end up impacting some of those numbers as we move forward, as we continue talking about getting rid of the filibuster and what voting rights is going to look like. But right now, the president, he's um, he's come in and he, because he's not the, temp- the, the, the temper tantrums, we don't see all those type of things that are going on. He's steady. He's leading. He's like he's like the uncle or the grandfather that the country needed um, in a time of peril. Yeah, I should point out uh, one uh, underline one thing you said, uh, the bar uh, for uh, President Biden was set very low by Donald Trump. I should point out that, uh, you know, there's probably good news and bad news about his current job rating at fifty three forty four. Uh, the good news is uh, Donald Trump would have died at any point to his presidency for such good approval numbers. Uh, he was basically stuck all during his presidency uh, with an approval rate in the high 30s and the low 40s, which is why uh, he didn't get reelected. Uh, Joe Biden's uh, job ratings are a mirror image of Donald Trump's. Uh, the bad news about the job ratings, in my opinion, is that uh, the it just shows how polarized uh, America is politically. Uh, I'm happy that a majority of uh, Americans think the president's doing a good job, uh, but the country is very polarized, and there are probably 40% of the American public uh, who will never give Joe Biden an approval rating, um, even if he cures cancer or even COVID. Uh, which is uh, very unfortunate, I think. Uh, Mark, what do you make of uh, Joe Biden's standing? Well, I think both um, Atiba and Brad, you both make really good points. Um, You know, I think the contrast between um, former President Trump and President Biden is very stark. Um, You looked at the situation, you know, having just 15 days before having the Capitol survive an insurrection and, you know, having COVID absolutely just ravaging the country um, for everyone, you know, it wasn't just for the unvaccinated like it is now. And you also had um, continuing job loss. Um, those trends have been sharply reversed um, for those who want them to in cases of COVID and for for many people, thankfully, there's many jobs available now with some places even having trouble filling those positions. So they're forced to increase the wages that are available to Americans. Those are situations that, you know, Americans want to have. You want to have a, a chance to um, protect yourself against COVID and have a good job. And now those things are available. So I think those are the two things I would also point to to echo part of your piece, Brad. Um, and I know we're coming up on a commercial break, so I'll just wrap up there. Okay, uh, we are coming up to a commercial break, but we'll be back uh, shortly uh, with more of Deadline DC with Brad Bannon and our provocative progressive political panel. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Yep. Definitely. Right. Welcome back to our uh, radio listeners. We uh, have been uh, talking with our uh, panel, uh, with our uh, viewers on Periscope TV. By the way, for our radio listeners, if you'd like to watch the show uh, in and uh, uh, listen to it at the same time, uh, you can now see us on Periscope TV uh, at periscope.tv front slash Brad Bannon. You can also see us uh, on uh, YouTube uh, and so then uh, Facebook Live. So uh, if you'd like to see us, I understand some people like to listen to me instead of view me. And I can certainly understand that. <laughs> first started doing radio uh a one a producer i was working with and it wasn't mark thankfully enough said brad you know you have a great face for radio uh but anyway <laughs> um actually he was more complimentary he said i had a great voice and a great face for radio i think was his uh, fortunately mark has never said anything like that to me uh anyway uh we are discussing the first six months of joe biden's presidency uh, we have uh, our executive producer, Mark Grimaldi, on the left-hand side of the screen. Uh, we have Atiba Madyung, the CEO of the Madyung Group, on the right side of the screen. Mark, let me ask you this question. Uh, right now, uh, we are in, I read uh, one doctor, medical expert, say we are now in the fourth resurgence uh, the, the fourth wave of COVID because of the Delta variant. Uh, it seems to me that uh, a lot of Joe Biden's presidency is staked on dealing with the two biggest problems that Donald Trump uh, left behind when he uh, decided to uh, uh, play golf full time. Um, actually, he was playing golf full time when he was president, so I guess it doesn't make any difference. Uh, a sagging economy and the uh, voracious pandemic. Uh, with the pandemic uh, rearing its ugly head again, uh, is that a big threat to Joe Biden's presidency if he can't control it? It's not his fault. A lot of people, mainly Republicans, are determined not to get vac uh, vaccinated because they feel it's some kind of Republican plot. But despite, and you know, some Republican politicians are bad mouthing uh, vaccination. So it's not Joe Biden's fault, but he may be the one to pay the price if it becomes a widespread problem again. What do you think, Mark? Yes, I think, unfortunately, you know, similar to what President Obama had to deal with in the sense that he was left the bag of President Bush's economic errors. And he had to clean things up. And, you know, the first two years, or I guess, well, it was 2009 and 2010, yeah, of his presidency, you know, things were very tough to work through. But he did ultimately bring back the economy, um, full, you know, fully. And, and we gained back all those jobs and more during, um, it was two terms for President Obama, but he did uh, fix those problems. Now, while things were difficult. You had the rise of the Tea Party and they tried to put, um, that was their way of evading blame for George Bush and saying, oh, we're not Bush Republicans and trying to just pin it all on President Obama. 
in, in a similar sense, um, you have the COVID pandemic caused by uh, the failed leadership in a lot of ways of former President Trump causing this. And I'd like to also point out making it worse when he's making nev- negative comments about, oh, you know, I understand why people don't want to get vaccinated because they can't trust, you know, the Biden administration and trying to tie it into his lies about the, uh, you know, saying the election was rigged. So you still have people actively pushing these falsehoods, trying to basically sabotage um, President Biden's effort to help the nation become, uh, you know, inoculated en- enough to a point where you could get to herd immunity. Um, that said, I think we are seeing some Republicans like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, um, number two Republican in the House, Steve Scalise, recently um, speaking out very forcefully, and actually in Mitch McConnell as well, um, for getting vaccinated. So I think, you know, it's it's better late than never, and it's in some small doses. Um, but I think Pete, they're starting to realize, Republicans are starting to realize, if it's just mainly a lot of Republicans who are refusing to get vaccinated, the pandemic is going to be killing them off and making them very ill. Eventually, they're going to have to face the fact that if these, if this is their voting block and these are the people that they, you know, say they care about, their base. Um, eventually, I think that some of them are going to come to the realization that they have to come out um, more forcefully for vaccination. Um, I do think President uh, Biden is going to be faced with some other tough choices as this continues on because with the way that the numbers are currently going, um, the more the longer people don't get vaccinated, they're like a petri dish for the future variants. And these variants, each time the uh, coronavirus survives, it morphs into a more dangerous form. That's how it stays alive, moving from host to host. So the longer that the host is there, the more dangerous it becomes. Um, that said, I think there's going to be tough decisions like we just heard at the opening of this show, what they're doing in France now um, with this green pass system where you have to have uh, proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test from within the last 48 hours to um, fly in an airplane, any sort of public travel. Um, I think those are some decisions, some tough decisions that the president's going to have to to try to make or advocate for. We'll see what Congress does. But I think he's shown that he is ready to make those decisions and put the health of the nation first, politics be damned. So um, I think if he continues to do that, that is all that he can do. Um, And we'll have to see how America reacts. Okay. Atiba, let me ask you something about uh, something you said in the first segment of this interview. Uh, I think Joe Biden, I agree with you here, is I think Joe Biden is doing everything he can to bring stability to this country, uh, to try to promote unity. Uh, In fact, some progressives think that he's gone too far in trying to be bipartisan and bringing people together. Will Joe Biden be able to succeed in bringing stability uh, and unity to this country? Because to me, it seems there is a lot of hate out there. There's a lot of racial hatred. There's a lot of ethnic hatred. Uh, There are all sorts of right wing crazies like the ones who invaded the Capitol on January 6th are, you know, still very prominent. Uh, Do you think uh, and I'm glad Joe Biden is trying because I think definitely needs to be done because like you said this is a quasi civil war 
And my question is, do you think in this kind of divisive and hostile political climate, Joe Biden can succeed during his presidency and bringing stability and unity to this country? I think the president needs to continue doing what he's doing, um, steady um, and leading. I think that the American people, include in, in, in particular, the 81 million people that voted for Joe Biden in 2020 have to come back in larger numbers in 2022. And remember that we voted for the president. The president can only do so much. It's the Congress. It's the state legislatures. It's the city councils. They are the ones who set public policy. So we can't just wipe our hands and expect that one person can fix all the problems. We keep giving an approval rating to the president when we really need to be focused on what the Congress is doing. And so what the president can do is he can provide a roadmap for what he sees as a vision for the country. But it's up to us, the people. Um, just like behind you, you have the sign, we the people. We the people. We are the ones. We are the boss. We keep relinquishing our control when we don't vote in these midterm elections. But we did it in 2018. We sent more women to Congress than we ever have in the history of this country. I believe that we'll do it again in 2022, despite the fact that Republicans are being playing the role of obstruction and trying to make it harder for us to vote. They're doing so because they recognize that the power of the people is much stronger than the will and what they have. They are losing their grip on power. That's what their fear is. The president just has to continue to, um, to stay the course. Okay. Uh, we have uh, a minute left. Uh, let me ask you a hard question, Atiba. Is there anything that President Biden hasn't tried to do that you think he should focus on more? And the filibuster. Okay. He's got to end the filibuster. It's, you know, I've been asked this on several podcasts over the last few months. I've tried to tiptoe around it. He's got to end the filibuster. The obstruction that the Republicans have, have done, their, their political, um, what they're doing politically, we got to end the filibuster. It's rooted too deeply in racism and they're going to continue to use it. We've got to get rid of it. Vote a majority on these bills, whether or not it's the budget or voting rights, et cetera, end the filibuster. Okay. Uh, that's uh, going to be it for the panel today. I, uh, you know, my summary of uh, Joe Biden's first six months is I think he's working real hard. I admire the efforts and exertions he's uh, expended on dealing with a lot of major problems facing the United States. Uh, anyway, thanks for watching Deadline DC with Brad Bannon. I want to thank our guest in the first half hour, Scott Wilkerson, the CEO of AlphaView. And on the provocative progressive political panel, uh, and our own executive producer, Mark Bamaldi. I'll talk to you next week. Have a good week and get vaccinated if you haven't already. Amen. Amen. We asked people in Michigan why they got the COVID-19 vaccine. Because I am pregnant and we wanted to protect our baby boy. I believe in the science. Protect my friends and help our community. And I'm ready to get back to somewhat normal. I want to hug my grandma again. COVID-19 vaccines are tested for safety and trusted by doctors. Find a vaccine near you at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Summer happens at Speedway because everything you need for summer happens at Speedway. Like drinks, drinks happen. The freshly brewed drink, the splashed over ice drink, the wake you up drink, the cool you off drink, the make your brain hurt for a minute drink. All poured however you want them, whenever you want them, all summer long. So on every hot day, you have something cold to sip. Speedway. Summer happens here. And now, get any size fountain or speedy freeze for just 99 cents. Excludes maximum.